Yeah, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 today, and today we're going to talk about discipleship. Um, the last time that we were together, if you remember, um, Jesus healed a uh, blind and mute, and the people there, there was two reactions to his miracle. One group of people believed him, and the other group of people rejected him. And uh, <clears throat> they... Uh, uh, that's going to be one of the main reactions to Jesus' ministry all through his, his time on the earth as well as now, right? You're either going to trust him, you're either going to receive him and believe him and trust him and walk with him, or you're going to doubt him, reject him, um, turn away from him and rebel against him. And that's, that's the reaction you're going to have. And so in our group here that we've been uh, working for the last couple of years, we're going through the life of Christ, his earthly uh, ministry uh, that three and a half years uh, before his death on the cross and resurrection um, and we're going through Matthew Mark Luke and John and we're taking all four of the gospel messages and putting them together into one big story so we can better understand Jesus and understand ourselves and understand what he commands of us and what he requires of us and so in this lesson today <clears throat> if you look at um, we're going to be in Matthew 10 but look in Matthew 9 um, verse 37, because this kind of leads into what we're going to be talking about today. Matthew 9 and verse 37, or actually, well, let's start at verse 36. So it says, seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus was looking over the crowds and he had compassion for them. That word mean, literally means that he yearned in his guts, like his guts hurt for the people around him. He had compassion for them because they were distressed. What does it mean to be distressed? Um, not comfortable. Yeah, and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what is one of Jesus' titles? He is the... Good shepherd. And the Bible tells us that we all like sheep have what? Gone astray. Right? And so what does the good shepherd do? He rounds his sheep up. And on the last day, on judgment day, there's not going to be one of his sheep lost. That's a comfort for us to know that the good shepherd does not lose sheep. Uh, and so if you are his, if you belong to him, he will not lose you. You may wander, you may stray, you may get sick, you may get malnourished, you may, uh, get hurt and, uh, but the good shepherd always makes sure to take care of his sheep. Um, and so, uh, he, he has this compassion for the sheep as a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, this is verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. All right. So what is this harvest? The harvest of his sheep, right? Of his people. And what does it mean to harvest something, guys? What does that mean, to harvest something? To reap. To reap it, to bring it in. That's exactly right. And so he's looking out at all of these people. He has compassion for them because they're dispirited and uh, distressed. And he says that there are so many of my sheep out there. There are so many people out there that are hurting and busted and scared and afraid and fallen and sick and I need the harvest is plentiful there's plenty of people out there but the workers are few alright so the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few so think about this guys in, in farming language if you have a lot to harvest 
but you have a few workers, what might happen? You'll lose the crop because you don't have enough time to gather it all in before it what? Before it rise. Good. And so it says in verse 38, Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to his harvest. So what are we supposed to pray to God? Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So we're praying for his gospel to spread? Yes, but we're praying for the people that are going to spread it. God, send more people that love you that can go out and bring these people in. So now it says, beseech the Lord of the harvest. All right, why is he the Lord of the harvest? What does it mean to say that, that God, our Creator, is the Lord? He's the boss of it. He's in control of it. He's the one that decrees it. He's the one uh, that's sovereign over everything that happens in the world. And so if um, last time we were together, um, we actually went to John chapter 6, and we learned that Jesus told his disciples that all that the Father has given unto me will come to me. All that the Father has given unto me will come to me, and I will raise them up on the last day. So what is he saying? He's saying that the Father gave Jesus a bride. Who is the bride of Christ? We are his church. The, the body of believers. That's exactly right. And so who gave those believers to the Son? The Father. So he's the Lord of the harvest, is he not? Okay? So what did he do? He sent his son down here and had him die on a cross and pour his blood out to claim that body, to claim that bride, to claim those people. Then three days later after he had died, what did he do? He rose from the dead to prove that his sacrifice was sufficient to save, right, to save those who he'd come to save. And then 40 days later, what did he do? He went back up to heaven. And now what has he done? He sent his Holy Spirit down here to the earth. And the Holy Spirit is doing what? Working inside of me. Working inside of the believers in order to bring them in. Remember? The fa- all that the Father... Good. All that the Father has given to me will come to me. What did Jesus say? I lay my life down for my sheep. My sheep know my voice, and when I call, they come. All right? Well, how does he call his sheep? He calls them with his words. With his word. And that word works in accord with the Spirit of God. So it is the Word of God and the Spirit of God together that work to bring the sheep into the fold. Does that make sense? Now, those two things never work apart from one another. The Word of God does not work without the Spirit of God. It's nice to step back and take a look at the people that God, like in this room right now, the people that God had brought together. Sure. It's, it's so wonderful. Yep, and, and a lot of times you don't even notice that it happening, right? Right. Uh, remember what he said about the kingdom, that it, it's just quietly growing and growing and growing, right. and we don't even... And a lot of times, it, it, in the places we think it's growing the most, is actually dead, and in some of the places we think it's dead, it's actually growing the most. And so, 
He sends his yeah, word. So he sends his word and he sends his spirit uh, to do what he's sent it to do. And the word and the spirit never work apart from one another. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that the Holy Spirit is not just going to come and, and start whispering things into your ear and telling you things apart from the Word of God. And if you try to read the Word of God without the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that you will, it won't make any sense. You see, they always work together. So, if any of you ever go to one of these wackadoo churches where people are rolling in the floor and screaming and hollering and all kind of crazy tongues and falling out and passing out and people waving sheets over the top of them and stuff, right? Well, any kind, any kind of charismatic deal, what you're seeing is everybody, as they walk out of the church, this is what the, the, these are the kind of things that they'll be saying. Boy, the Spirit was really moving in our church today, right? You'll hear them say that. Man, the Spirit was really moving in our church today. But what you want here is them talking about what the preacher preached, the message, the Word. I can tell you that like when I'm singing the psalms or the hymns, or, I can feel the Spirit move inside of me. Mm-hmm. I, I know so, that He's now, present, but it's not like that. Yeah. So you're saying that people... Now, hold up. Before you go, is, before you go any further, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> The word of God and the spirit, the word of God and the spirit of God never work apart from one another. Now you can also go on the opposite end of that spectrum. You can go to some churches where they're preaching the word of God, but they're preaching it looking down on the crowd. They're 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 the spirit of of self righteousness in them. Right, and they go there and they're preaching, and what you'll find is right. What you'll find is dead orthodoxy. It's just a dead church. Right? Why? Because they're not they're not trusting the spirit. They're not walking in the spirit of God. They're walking in the spirit of man. Yes, Lord. Um, look, when you say looking down, it's it's uh, mentally looking down. These folks like we have a high pulpit at IPC, but I was told the reason in the old <coughs> why the pulpit was so high and the reverend wore black is so that they would hear the word of God and not focus on the pulpit. look beyond the man. That's very true. So, yeah, so it's not physically. So if every all come to a service at IBC, I don't want you to think they're looking down. Okay, Lori, Lori, I'm not talking about. Right, I just Terry. wanted to clarify. I'm not ter- talking about Terry and IPC Church. Uh, what well, I'm talking about, I'm talking <laughs> about it. Um, there are churches, there are legalistic churches out there that you'll go to that they're focused on what you're wearing and they're focused. A good example is the, is the Pharisees and Sadducees. Very good. So they had the word. The, the Pharisees had the first five books of the Bible memorized. They were but they were dead in self-righteousness right. and self-sufficiency. So, you understand what I'm saying when I say the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together. But, the Word of God and Spirit of God work through who? People. Believers. So, Jesus is saying you need to pray and tell God to send workers in to the harvest. And to help you do good, right, that, and honest. Good. The, the proper method is, is that the word is preached through people. The, the, the word of God is shared through people and through the working of the promises of God and the spirit of God together, the harvest is gathered. All right. Now look at what he says. He says in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Therefore, beseech. That means to beg or to plead with. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Alright? So what are they supposed to pray for? Oh God, please send people into the harvest to gather your Ask people. Huh? Beseech. Ask yep. I'm somehow not work. Exactly. Matthew right. chapter 9, verse 37 oh. and 38. I'm in 10. Thank you so much. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, 38. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to the harvest. So Jesus tells his disciples to pray and ask that God will send people out to gather the harvest, to gather the sheep in. Now watch it. Now Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Look what happens. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So what is the difference between the apostles and the disciples? Okay, apostle is a descent, is a sent one, a, a, like a post office. That's where that word comes from. You send mail. Apostle, a sent one. It is one who is sent. Now these 12 here are actually apostles and disciples. So they went, a disciple means to follow? A disciple means a follower. So they went from being disciples being sent somewhere. They went went from following him to going out from him. Okay. Alright. So um, we all would be uh, disciples. Uh, There's no longer a, there's no longer a category of apostle uh, in in the modern church. There was, there was, uh, they're they're disciples and they're missionaries okay. and they're prophets and they're uh, they're evangelists and they're preachers and teachers. Those are the the giftings that God, the Spirit of God, has given the church. Okay. He's given us the gift of evangelist. He's given us the gift of preachers, and He's given us the gift of teachers to go out and to share the word with others. But the apostleship stopped with Paul. Okay. Paul was the last of the the twelve apostles, right? And so. Uh, it says, so think about that. He's telling them to pray for God to send people into the harvest, and then what does he do? He sends them. <laughs> like, they're the answer to the prayer. You ever thought about that? Like, sometimes you pray, oh God, please help save my friend. You know, help, help my friend to know you as Lord and Savior. And maybe it's your responsibility to be the one to go and share the gospel message with them. Maybe you're the answer to that prayer. You see? Maybe you're praying for God to send somebody to help your one of your family members or your loved ones to know Christ. Right, right. And maybe so he sends them out and he gives them these powers: the power over unclean spirits. What do we call unclean spirits? Demons. And cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Okay. Why? Did Jesus and his disciples, why did the Spirit of God empower them to do the miracles that they had done? So to get followers. Okay. That's a, that's to a, show the power of the living God? Yes. Yes. To show God's power, but more importantly than just to show God's power. Because that, what did you say? To get followers to come. All right, so if I have a miracle ministry, like if I have people coming and um, I start getting people uh, to heal in a like a tent revival or something, am I going to be able to get a crowd there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you better believe it. Matter of fact, almost all of the big big uh, modern churches are all about miracles yeah, and signs. And, right, and, but they're actually just coming for what? <laughs> 
to see the miracles. Yeah. Like, show yeah. me something. Yeah. All right, and we've been learning that over the last two years in this class. Just because somebody saw Jesus do miracles. And then just stop and think about how special those apostles were because they glorified God. None of that went to their head. They took credit for none of it. Well, they 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 still had a little bit of problem with that, but they, did, they worked but it out. It all glorified the God. Good. It I wasn't to, I believe you guys had right. Okay. Right. So, what is the point? The right. point is this: the reason that Jesus did the miracles that He did was because the Holy Spirit was using those miracles as a way to authenticate the message that He was given. All right. So, it was not the miracles that caused people to believe. It was the message that caused people to believe. What do I mean when I say that? It was the message that caused people to believe. How does God work? Through His Spirit. What would that be? The miracles? Right, and but didn't, didn't God also have to open their eyes and their hearts okay. for them to understand that message? Yes, but how did He do that? Through His Word. And the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit and the Word working together. You see, it always works that same way. Okay? So what were the miracles about? It was showing that the Spirit of God was at work. But it was there just to authenticate the message because the Spirit never works apart from the message. There were a lot of people that saw the spiritual healings but never heard the message, right? And what happened to them? They walked away as unbelievers. So it's always the Spirit and the Word that works together. Now, the name of the twelve apostles, or the descent ones, are Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, right? That's who this book is. Levi is his other name. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now think about that. One of the things that's amazing about that is Judas, the one who's actually going to sell Jesus out, was actually sent out to do miracles, right? Did he do miracles? Yeah. Judas was sent out to preach the gospel and to heal people and to cast demons out of people. That was always confusing to me. He had the same power as the other. Because he was sent out with the message. And but, so, the whole, but didn't the Holy Spirit have to dwell within him to be able to do that? The, the Holy Spirit had to be working. Well, remember, the Holy Spirit didn't really dwell in the believers until, until after Jesus went back. To yeah, heaven. yeah. But he did work. He he anointed them. The Holy Spirit anointed them. No, and they, knowing all along that he would be sure. the one. Now, let me ask you this: so Do you think that anybody has ever heaven. been? Do you think that um, that it's possible for someone to? Go to a good, solid, Bible-believing, uh, God-fearing, God-glorifying church, and hear the message all of their life and never be safe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But what about this? Do you think it's possible that somebody could be in a wackadoo, false church, and hear the preaching of the message of the gospel and be saved? Yes. Yes. Mm, I don't know. That person might have to eventually come to the point where <clears throat> it don't add up when you when you pick your Bible up and study it. It don't add up, and he gonna look for. I agree. The truth. Right, I agree. So I think that there are actually people in false churches, like heretical false churches, 
that have actually been under the preaching of the Word of God and the Spirit of God has saved them. Now, if and it's just like you said, Desmond, if a person gets saved in a false uh, group like that, what's going to eventually happen? The Spirit of God is going to show them that they're in the wrong place. Like what they're reading. So they have the eyes that the Holy Spirit has given them to see the truth of the Word of God. They're studying the Word of God and what's going to happen. What they're seeing and what they're hearing in the Word of God is not what's coming out of that pulpit. And they're going to become more and more uncomfortable. Maybe they start asking questions of the pastor and start challenging the pastor on some things. And eventually what's going to happen? They're going to have to get away from it. They're going to have to get out of that false See, teaching. See, that's what happened to me. My, my, my second wife... She was believed in the Pentecostal way. And I went to church and felt really uncomfortable. And I knew I didn't want to really be a part of that, you know. And then, but it was hard because I was married to her. Sure. You know. And and what would the attitude of the Pentecostal church be for you wanting to leave? Or what would the, what would the Pentecostals tell you the reason you were uncomfortable? I, I was uncomfortable. Well, I, I, was I know like, why you were uncomfortable. I thought it was demon possessed. Okay, but, but, right. I mean, what I'm saying though is why would that false church uh, say that you were uncomfortable? What would they tell you? The reason you're uncomfortable is what? Because I didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. See, they would, bla- they would, they would blame it on God and the reality is it's actually the Holy Spirit of God that's making you that's uncomfortable. Right. Right. You, okay. you, you, right. you that know that this is not biblical. Yeah. Good. Right. Because they didn't preach anything that made sense. They right. preached... Yeah, I mean, I had somebody come behind me and say, I'm not going to say all Pentecostal churches are that way, but that's the way I feel in that Pentecostal. In a Pentecostal church, someone came to there's a, they just went, oh, and screamed and looked right at me and said that there was a a giant archangel behind me. And it scared me. It scared me so bad I had to leave because they're all looking at me and screaming and jumping. And it scared me and I had had to go. Yeah, and perfect love casts out fear. There's no reason to be afraid. So, what kind of church is this? Hmm? Pentecostal. The one I was the in. The one we're in here? Yeah. This is a Baptist church. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when, the reason I'm bringing that up is what? Judas, the one who actually betrayed Jesus, actually went out and preached the gospel, and the Spirit of God used him to heal people. Do you think that the message could still be given through a false person like that? Right. Could. The reason well, I, I brought that up. Yeah, it because it's, it's not the person. Yeah. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of but God. It wouldn't be accepted as, if everybody knew what he'd done. You know, it wouldn't be right. accepted. Right. As, as the... Right. And so, so think about it like this, because there's a question a lot of times. So let's just say that you go to a church. <coughs> you've been in this church for years and years, and... Uh, you got saved in that church. You got baptized in that church. You've been taking communion in that church half your life. Uh, you know, you've been a member of that church. You tied there and like, this is your church home. And then you find out that one of the, pa- your pastor, the one that actually led you to the Lord, the one that actually baptized you has been having an extramarital affair on the side. Now, what's going to happen to him? He's going to get kicked out of the church. They're going to run him out of the church. But does that negate your salvation or your baptism? No. You, you see? So it's not the man. It's the Spirit of God and the message behind it. 
Now, we have to be careful because there's a lot of fake people out there that, that are good at faking the message and the Spirit of God, too. Like Jim Jones. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so we need to be careful about that. But, but again, I, I just say that for comfort because I know of people who doubt their salvation because they were a part of a church where yeah. the, the pastor proved to be a false teacher. Yeah, Jim Jones had everybody false. Yeah. He, you know, and he brought all those people out there. Who's your the one that had everybody drink that cyanide. They, they Not a guy in the 70s. And, and he told everybody to drink cyanide. And you, don't, you don't know about that? All right. So let's look here. In verse 5, the 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them. It said, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into any city of the Samaritans, all right? Now, in the modern world that we live in, we would be saying that Jesus was a racist. How dare he do that? Not going to the Gentiles and not going to the Samaritans. Who is the only people that Jesus sent the disciples out to? The Israelites. And that's very important. Well, why is that? Look what it says. It says, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper or for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support." All right, and whatever city or village you enter into, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off of your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So again, let's go back to five and work our way down through what we've just read. It is not that Jesus is racist by saying only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Are there lost sheep that are not of the house of Israel? Yes. Who are they? The Gentiles. The the Samaritans. Now, why would Jesus bring up Samaritans? Because the Samaritans were half Jewish. They were, they were, they were mixed breeds. What happened was the Babylonians, the Assyrians came down in and conquered their land and moved in and lived among them. And so what happened? When they came in and conquered them, well, the Samaritan, uh, uh, or the Jewish women that were there started marrying these Assyrian soldiers and these Assyrian people that had been sent down there. And so their child is going to be half Jewish and half Assyrian. You see? Now, as an Israelite, why would they find that offensive? Because it's not thorough. Good. Because they thought that their purity was found in their blood type. They thought that because they were the seed of Abraham, that they are God's chosen people. Were they? Yes, very much so. But it wasn't their blood type that made them a child of God. But, and that was explained in the scriptures. They, yep. they chose to believe what they wanted to believe. That was not, it was not their blood type that makes them a child of God. It's not your blood type that makes you a child of God. It's the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for you that makes you a child of God. You see? It's his blood, not ours. And so, but the plan all along, 
All through the redemptive narrative, all through the Bible, the plan is is that God has a people and God sent His Son to save His people. Well, in the Old Testament, who was His people? The Israelites. And when Jesus came and Jesus preached, who did He preach to? The Israelites. But... Who was it that rejected him and nailed him to the cross? The Israelites. The Israelites. And once they rejected him, then who did the message turn to? The Gentiles. The Gentiles and the the rest of the world. You see? So in if you you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter one it says this. Uh John chapter one, I think it's verse twelve and thirteen. Uh he he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all of those that did receive him, to all of those that believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So, um, the, and Paul talks about that in the book of Romans, that the Messiah would come to his people and his people would do what? Reject him and nail him to the cross. And by turning, a, by to rejecting him, they pushed him away. So what does he do? He goes to the rest of the world, to the four corners of the earth. Now, what we need to remember is what also... He didn't do that because that happened. He, that was the plan the whole time. That was exactly right. And not only that, what else is a part of the plan? It tells us in Scripture that at the end of time, as, as, as it get, we get near to the day of, of Christ, the Lord's Day, that the Jewish people are going to be like, wait a minute, that, that's our Messiah. You can't have him. Like They're going to get angry that the Gentiles have him, and they're going to turn back to him. It, the way that Paul puts it. Are they going to try to turn us away? Huh? Lori. <laughs> I don't know. No. They're going to see that like, they have, they're going to wake up. It's going to be like jealousy, right? It, it, that's what the term Paul uses, that it's going to provoke them to jealousy. Okay. They're going to realize, wait a minute, we missed him and they got him. You can't have him, he's ours. Right. And they're going to turn back to him. And who's going to be in the fold then? All of the oh, sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my, my uh, life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now, who was he talking to? He was talking to the Jewish people. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. He said, I also have other sheep that are not of this fold. Meaning the Jewish people. No. The Gentiles. The Gentiles. The Gentiles. Oh. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Okay. The, the Jews being of that fold that he's talking and, about. And there in the Old Testament are some that worship sure. God that were not Jewish. That's exactly right. John 13 says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the of flesh, flesh, nor the will of man, man, but of God. Yeah, but it's, it's maybe 9 and 10 then. No, I'm saying that's what you were saying. Like, yeah, it's not of blood. Yeah. That's exactly right. Good. All right. So you see, the plan all along was is that he would come to his people. His people would reject him. Now, not all of his people reject him. His disciples are all Jewish, and Mary and Martha, and like all, there was a lot of Jewish people that believed in him, right? There was also a few Gentiles scattered in among there too. Remember the centurion guard, the Roman soldier. And, and there's some women. And some women. And remember the one woman who said, he said, um, it's not right for me to give uh, food from the table to the dogs? And she was a Greek. She was a Greek woman. And what did she say? Yeah, but even the dogs catch some of the crumbs that fall off the table. So he basically called her a dog. Well, and, and was and, Rachel Jewish? Ra- yeah. Rachel? Rachel. Who was the woman that took care of her mother and mom? Was it Rachel or Rachel? That's the Old Testament you're That's talking about. That's what I'm saying. 
There's an Old Testament folks. Rahab was not Jewish. Right. Rahab she still believed in the yep. Lord and still okay. Yep. So there, there. That's what I'm saying. There are examples of people who are not Jewish that actually believe that in Jesus. Saying. Yeah, and and that that woman was Greek, and and he he basically called her a dog. The word goy means dog, and that's what an Israelite would call somebody who is not a Gentile. It's a racial slur. It's a slur to say you're goy, you're a dog. The goyim, the dogs. You see. So the Jewish people felt that they had this the superiority of their race over all other people. Is that an attitude that we in the church get today? Is there still racial barriers? Do people still use their race as a way to look down on other people? Yeah. And it and, and guys, believe me when I tell you this. Now I'm white, but believe me when I tell you this. That racial uh, uh, pride is not color bound, is it? No. We whoever we are, it's about us. We. Right? And we need to make sure that we understand that Christ came to save a race of people. One of the pastors at IPC thinks that he went to a Jewish Bible study and made some don't bring up anything about that. Jesus in yep. here and, and he left. He had to go. So well, that, that was it wasn't color at all. But the point I'm making is this Jesus came to save a race of people. It was called the human race. And we all come from Adam and Eve. And just because we have a certain amount of melanin in our skin based on where our ancestors live close to the where how close to the equator they live does not mean that you're still not a child of God. Or it does also does not mean that I have the right to look down on someone else. You see how that works? But yeah. it goes both ways. Yep. There's only one way. It's not about a both way thing. Right, it's right. one way. It's one way. We're yep. all equal yep. in, the, in the sight of God. Yep. All you of said, us. Uh, uh, you got northern right. people. But like, what about the people like uh, they ain't never like people that still living in tribes and stuff. They ain't never got the word to know about the Bible. Is it? It, uh, it, it, I always heard that like if they don't know the word, then they won't be held accountable. They do, but they they don't they, they don't know. Like you even know. if they be eating you know, other humans and all that kind of stuff. But see, they don't know the word, right? Yeah, but but they they do know that there is a God because they're created in the image of God. Yeah. They know that there is a God because they were created by Him. And what you'll find when you go to those countries and you find those people is they'll be praying to something like the stars or the moon or yeah. a rock or the river or something like that. Man, that's considered paganism. Man. That is paganism because they're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Yeah. But the simple fact that they're praying to something shows that within them they have an understanding that there is a God. Yeah. Now they're lost. And so if I'm concerned about those people, I need to go there and help them to know about Jesus. And the reality is is that there are people that are in tribes like that that actually are Christians now because missionaries went there and, and shared that, the gospel with them. The gospel will reach everybody. If the gospel, the right. Back? So at the end of time, before the Lord comes back, every person that is supposed to have heard and believe is going to hear and believe. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So even those people in those, I mean, that's one of the reasons when you came in today, you might have saw the, the little poster there as we were walking in the door. It said, Annie Armstrong, $7,500. Did y'all see that little sign? Uh-huh. Okay, well, Annie Armstrong is a is a mission organization of the Baptist Church. And every year, every Baptist church in the around in the country um, takes up a collection to get a bunch of money together to send to missions so that people can go and reach those lost tribes.
to, to reach the tribes of people. But the reality is, those even those people that you're talking about there are still sons of Adam, are they not? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we all come from the same place. Some people moved up and moved into New York City and the Manhattan, you know, and live in a high rise. And some people move further down into the, the jungles. And who's to say who's right or wrong? But God will make sure that they hear the message. And it's through us. And that's kind of, that actually gets back to, uh, we can kind of start winding the class down because we only got four or five minutes left. Think about it. What has Jesus done for those people that you're talking about? He told his disciples to go out and share the message with them. To go out into all of the earth and share the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected. And so um, he's talking uh, to his disciples. And what did they do? When, when he gave them that command to go out and share the gospel with people, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what did they do? What did they do? What did the disciples do? They did it. They did it. That's exactly right. And so think about that. You're, every one of us in this room today are sitting here with a Bible open. Some of us with our phone Bibles, but that's a Bible nonetheless, right? And we're reading out of the book of Matthew. Who is Matthew? Levi, the tax collector. He's one of the ones that Jesus sent out to share the message. Why did he write these words down? So that we could have that same message to share with others. Why are you a believer today? You can trace it all the way back to these first 12 disciples doing what Jesus commanded them to do. Somewhere in your spiritual ancestry, if you will, right? You had a preacher or a Sunday school teacher who shared the word with you and you were saved. They had somebody share with them and they were saved. They had somebody share with them and they were saved. Just like you go on Ancestry.com and look up your physical uh, ancestors, there's also a spiritual ancestry to your faith, isn't there? There is, and the Holy Spirit is still working in places. Because these missionaries that are going out to these very remote places, they're called in their heart. No doubt. Some of them don't come back. But, But think about it. If you're in this room today and you're a believer, you are a believer because somebody came and shared the gospel with you. Right. And through the power of the gospel, through the preaching of God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you were claimed and brought into the fold. And what did he command these guys to do? To go out and do that very thing. Right before he went up to heaven, if you look at the end of the book of Matthew, what it said, go out now in my name, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you, right? And, and so that's the message for us as disciples to go out and be light and salt in this world and to share his word with people. And so why do I come here every week and, and teach this, this class to you guys? Well, one, I love you guys, but number two, I'm commanded to. And, and guess what? And and guess what? And and in a couple about three minutes, y'all are all gonna leave this room and go get in a van. And I won't see you guys again for another hundred and what is it, hundred and sixty eight hours? Is that how many hours in a week? Next week I'll come back and see you, but between now and then, you're gonna run into thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And what is God commanding you to do? To share his message of love and forgiveness and reconciliation in Jesus Christ with all that you come into contact with. Like, that's what we're commanded to do. All right? So we can either go out and live for ourselves or we can go out and live for him. Even through all the joke, St. Patrick's 
Huh? Uh, well, there's a there's a, usually a lot of people. That, uh, usually it's the Pentecostal crowd that'll be down there with the bullhorn screaming. If you get drunk, a lot of people love to talk religion. They'll be talking about it. It's like talking to So you can we can say what you want about you, but you Pentecostal crowd. But I guarantee you, St. Patrick's Day they'll be down there amongst all them drunk with with bullhorns screaming at folks and telling them to repent. Some of them get a little out there. Well, I can tell you this. I can remember one time when I was about 18 years old. Well, about 20, about 20 years old. I was down there on the riverfront doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And one of them Pentecostal preachers got up in my face with a bullhorn and screamed at me. Really? Yeah, and I started trying to argue with him, right? Because there's a difference. Because I, I, I tried to argue with the guy. And all of a sudden, after he left, I got on a conviction and said, man, I ain't supposed to be down here. That was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. 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 The person being called by God, the person is doing it out of their own free will. Some people didn't. I said, some people out there, oh man, this man, I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here. I've seen people out there, I know they're not, they not called by God. Not, I mean, well, that's true. kind of like, all the people, false yeah. you can't, you know what I mean? If you got a lot of lost souls out there, yep. you know, they, they're lost, people are lost. But, but yeah, but, I mean, there's a lot of people too that, that, that do have a call in this world. Yo, one guy, he's got a big old side. Yeah. Some people, that's a rascal, you know what I mean? Yeah. I heard that, though. If you don't preach the word, though, you're speaking blasphemy. If you just going to Well, there's, and there are people, guys, there are people that are called to be, in particular, to be pastors and evangelists and uh, teachers. There are all, but all of us, everybody, no matter what our calling is, we're called to go out and we're going we're gonna to see this next week. He says it this way. Jesus says it this way. As you have been given. So freely give. You somebody share God's love with you, and now it's your responsibility and your accountability to go out and share that love with others. Right. All right, so let's close with a word of prayer. I hope everybody got something out of the lesson today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this chance to study your word, to talk about your truth, to think about things. I pray that you will help us, help me, and help anyone here in this to. Uh, Think about what's going on in their life. Are we doing what you commanded us to do? Are we going out and sharing your love and your truth with other people? Or are we just being selfish? Help us to realize that, that this is your great commission. You, you have commanded us to go and to share your love and your light with others. To share your word and truth with other people. So please give us the strength and the willingness and, and um, the power and the wisdom to do such. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.